Hello and welcome in my friends to the Fantasy Injury Team podcast brought to you by Guys Trip. It's time to talk about some heavy hitters today, running backs. But first, are you planning a golf trip, bachelor party, sporting event trip, or just need a weekend getaway with the guys? Guys Trip plans your entire trip and saves you up to 30% off retail pricing for rental homes, transportation, golf, nightlife, and so much more. Visit guystriplive.com and use the code FIT for 10% off your fee today. Guys Trip, just show up. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we've had six running backs coming off major injuries to analyze, dissect, discuss, Tama hit the thesaurus, examine, consider, ponder all of these things. And you guys out there, it is crunch time. It is time to get grinding August 16th. Fantasy drafts are looming. Going to be a fantastic episode. But first, Tom, the doctor of physical therapy himself. How was the expo, man? The fantasy football expo, the, uh, the Hall of Fame you went to. Tell us about it, man. What a fabulous event. Thank you so much to Bob Bob Long for putting that on. Um, what an awesome time that was. It was in Canton, Ohio this past weekend. I think there were seven or 800 people there. Many, many um, fantasy content creators, but also tons of fans. It was really great to, to meet a bunch of people, to network with a bunch of people. Uh, Des Bryant was there. That was pretty cool. And the Hall of Fame itself, phenomenal. I had never been before, always wanted to go. What a really phenomenal place, Joe. You've got to go there sometime. It's super, super cool. Um, yeah, next really? year, man. I think next year I got to make the trip. Me, you, Vin, some of the fit boys. Tom was taking selfies with uh, what the, the plaque or the uh, the Lombardi trophy, but oh, you had yeah. like Brian Dawkins sculpture. You had everything going on there, man. The are incredible. They look so freaking real. It's It's amazing. Cool place. And you were on the injury panel too with, with Dr. Jesse Morse, right? Yes, as well. And a couple correct. other guys. Jesse Morse and uh, Brian Scott. We uh, we were up there for an hour on Sunday morning. Really great conversation. Great participation by the audience. Probably had 40 or 50 people out there listening to us talk. It was a really good time. Excellent job, Tom. Making the, the Fit Boys proud. Awesome. Um, all right. So it is game time, so we have some expert injury analysis, which today, guys, is more valuable than ever. Tom's experience, his knowledge, it's helped me. As much as I hate to admit it, Tom is a good friend of mine. It's helped me win countless leagues and get an advantage. I'm not just saying it. Get an advantage amongst your teammates and amongst your league mates. Um, so let's, let's do it. Let's pick Tom's brain today. Starting with, we've got six running backs today. Starting with JT, Jonathan Taylor, going right now, we're using average ADP, composite ADP over on uh, Fantasy Pros, going at RB6, overall 15, which is good enough right now for an early second round. JT, still just 24 years old, coming off an ankle sprain early last season, underwent a cleanup surgery, what, about eight, nine months ago in December. Tom, this man broke fantasy football two years ago with an unforgettable 2021 season. Can he get back to his dominant self, or are we concerned going forward, Tom? I am highly concerned right now. Highly concerned. So he's still dealing with the ankle injury from last season. If we remember last season, week four or five, sometime in October, high ankle sprain, missed two games, came back, re-injured it, missed another game, injured it again in December. This is the same injury three times throughout the season. We know these ankle sprains are notorious for doing that, especially high ankle sprains. We talked a lot about the high, about high ankle sprains on the panel. 
and how they don't always heal properly. So the issue is that the two bones in the shin, the tibia and the fibula, with a high ankle sprain, they get separated from each other. And the there's a big, thick uh, tissue called the interosseous membrane or the syndesmosis, same thing, that holds them together. And when that gets disrupted, it doesn't always heal back properly. So those two bones do not always come back together how they're supposed to be. So that's why these injuries can linger for a long, long time. I've worked with an NFL player before who was like, I had a high ankle sprain like three years ago and it's still bothering me. And now he has this procedure in the off season, early off season that, tip, like, you know, these days, these past few years, we're hearing all about the tightrope surgery for high ankle sprains. Tightrope surgery is super effective. He didn't have that. He just had a debridement, a clean out. So that tells me that there was loose tissues in there, whether it be cartilage, loose fraying of the ligaments, whatever. They didn't repair anything. They didn't fix anything. They just cleaned it out to help with pain and maybe some range of motion. But clearly, he's still dealing with these issues if he's he's not practicing. And, and we know some of that's maybe contractual, but the, also the most recent reports are that he is really still dealing with his injury. I am very concerned here. If things were going smoothly, this ankle sprain from last season, I wouldn't be so concerned with. But since they're still not going well all these months later, He's been rehabbing it all season. I'm I'm very concerned. I'm not drafting him anywhere unless he really, really falls. I share your concern level, and I didn't even know that, that it might not even be healing properly. For Jonathan Taylor, it's like going to the beach or being down the shore when there's an impending hurricane, Tom. You go on the beach. Well, I don't know if you're crazy enough to go on the beach. There's no green flags there where it's like, go ahead, swim. The yellow flags, where it might be a little tide going on, dangerous. No, there's red flags all over that damn beach. And there's red flags this year all over Jonathan Taylor in so many different ways. Tom, you just evaluated his, his injury, right? He's not practicing. I don't even think he's really practiced at all yet. Still being held out. We're inching closer to the season. Contractually, going over to that concern, still on last year of his rookie contract, he wants more, as many of these running backs do. Those are two concerns, Tom. We haven't even mentioned the situation, his effectiveness, the offense, the Colts. Those are red flags outside of some of these other red flags. Now, listen, JT, last year, surprisingly, Tom still averaged 91 yards a game. He's a, he's a special type of running back. I mean, even now with Richardson, right, linebackers do – if you visualize it, they have to respect him being able to run Richardson, that is. They can't exactly sprint right to JT, but you know, th these are some good things here, right? The depth chart behind them is bad. Matt Ryan last year, guys, was, was not very good at all. Richardson has to be an improvement, but other red flags, right? They get around the goal line. Richardson could easily poach. Doesn't even matter if it's two, three, four goal line touchdowns or those goal line carries, right? Dump offs. What do we know? This is the most obvious thing in fantasy, right? Dump-offs are going to be limited when there's a mobile quarterback. Guy, guy sees you, see, you know, he's scrambling out, right? And, and he could either take off for 10 yards or he could dump it off. He's going to take off, especially a guy like Richardson, right? And last year, JT only had, I know he was limited, missed six games. JT only had 28 catches on 40 targets, right? Not a prolific not pass catcher. No, he's really not. Another thing, too, Colts projected to only win six games this year. So in the first round or second round, you're going to take a running back 
on a team, well, first off, he's got all of his concerns on a team that's going to be trailing, trailing, trailing. And what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to throw the ball. And JT doesn't do that so well. It's crazy to even say this. I think for me in a 12-team league, Tom, half-point PPR, I think he would have to fall to like the third round for me to take him. There's too many concerns. I recognize the dude is an absolute elite talent, but I'm taking probably, there's probably a list of 10 receivers I'm taking over him. CMC, Eckler, Bijan, Barkley, Chubb, Henry Pollard, Ramondre, even Kelsey. Like third round, I'm still questioning it. It's amazing how things have changed over the last two years, but but you're your your concern for his injuries, Tom, I don't think made me feel any better. You agree? Third round, maybe it's hard I don't to think put. I would even take him there. I, I, I don't. I mean, he's not off my board. Like everything's at cost, but I don't think I would take him before four. Yeah, everything always at cost, but I see him going at that one-two turn, and and for me, that just opens the board up for for other guys to fall to me. All right. Player number two, I am gushing with emotion and excitement like a kid on Christmas here. Tom, we're going to talk about Tony Pollard going right now RB8, overall 17. Looking about the mid-second round, still just 26 years old. Ankle sprained eight months ago in January, and he underwent, Tom, like you talked about, that tightrope procedure. Give me the good news about Pollard. I hope it's good news. I saw him have a one-hand catch today in practice, and I got real excited. So give me give me more good news, please. I think there's so many reasons to be excited about Tony Pollard. But let's talk about the injury first. It was in the playoffs, fibula fracture and high ankle sprain. And sometimes with that, they will have to put screws and plates in the fibula to ensure that that heals properly. does not sound like that was the case. Sounds like the only surgery was the tightrope to address the high ankle sprain. So that means less hardware in there, which is always a good thing. We're always talking about how these major ankle surgeries, sometimes they don't regain the range of motion. Well, if they don't have hardware in there, it's much easier to regain that range of motion. And timeline, he's, the length of the offseason is enough time for him to be fully rehabbed from this. And he's been full go in practice in training camp. And guess what? They still haven't added anyone. Zeke's gotten signed. Dalvin Cook's gotten signed. Sure, Fournette and Hunt are still out there, but at the moment, it doesn't. It looks like Dallas is is comfortable with their current running back room, and Tony Pollard has shown that he's elite in all facets of playing the running back. And I, I don't believe that this injury is going to impact his production. Perhaps a slight elevation in injury risk, but hit the rest of his list is. In 2019, a knee sprain that he missed one game. His injury list is so thin compared to all these other running backs that if we look at them as a whole, he's got one of the lower risks for injury. Even if there was a little risk of injury, I still love him. But you did give me good news, Tom. That makes me like him even more. For me, I have him as my RB4, only behind CMC, Bijan and Chubb. My uh, listen, my love for Pollard has been <laughs> I've been bullish on this guy for I think it was one of our figure it out segments last year, Tom. For I uh, he he's just lot. he's been better than Zeke for three years. Last year, even Zeke, 3.8 yards per carry to Pollard's 5.2. Guys, talent and ability just in general. I think he's a top. I don't think it's crazy for me to call him a top three running back in the league. Last year, Tony Pollard finishes the RB7 playing less than 52% of the snaps unreal guys so freaking talented we don't need him to play 75 percent of the snaps or 80 percent of the snaps give tony pollard 60 
to 65%, he smashes. He doesn't just meet his ADP. He's going to smash it, right? In his featured games last year, I'll go through this quickly. 14 carries, 131 yards, three touchdowns, and a catch for 16 yards. That's a game-winning week. It's a, it's a league-winning week for you. Another week, 22 carries, 115 yards, touchdown, and three catches. Had another game with 189 total yards and two touchdowns. This is what's most important to me here, Tom. Last year's for the Cowboys had 231 carries. Malik Davis had 38. So aside from Pollard, that's 269 carries. This year, the backups, right? Zeke's gone. Malik Davis, a suspended Ronald Jones, you said that didn't add anybody, and Deuce Vaughn. Do we think those three guys are going to combine for 269 carries? Absolutely. No. Give them 150 carries. Feed Pollard another 100 carries. How much better can it get than RB7? Well, that's why I have him ranked as RB4. He could be four. He could be three. He could be two. Not crazy. He could be one, Tom. I think he could be one. I Absolutely. I think he could finish RB1. Yeah. And, and all this behind the PFF graded sixth best offensive line. Tony Pollard, man, give him, give me that man everywhere possible. All right. On to a guy that I've actually been a little reluctant to pick in a lot of my mock drafts. And Tom, maybe you can convince me one of the other ways. It's J.K. Dobbins sliding down the board a little bit. RB20, overall 52. So that's going to cost you a fifth rounder. J.K. Dobbins is 24 years old. Hamstring tear that he's recovering from. And even further back, he had that ACL tear. Tom, from an injury standpoint, what are your thoughts and concerns here on J.K. Dobbins? Uh, just to clarify, his most recent injury was a combination ACL, meniscus, hamstring, and LCLs. All of them at the same time in the in um, training camp last year right, or two years ago. Um, then we saw him return and was not really looking so great played a few games, then went out again for another procedure. What they did, the reason that they, he needed that other procedure is because he had never regained his full range of motion in his knee. And you could see that, that he was not bending his knee as far as he needs to, and that's going to impact so many different things. So the procedure, they went and cleaned out some scar tissue. They probably did what's called a manipulation under anesthesia where they put them under, and then the surgeon literally cranks the knee, forces it to bend, and you hear all the scar tissue break up. Um, Hold they, on. Have you, you've never been in, in a room when that's happened, right? Like that well, sounds, that sounds awful. I've, I've heard from surgeons and PAs what it's like. Yeah, so they no either thanks. did that or they just went in and arthroscopically cleaned out some of the scar tissue or sometimes they'll do both. I recently had a patient who, who he said that they had both on, they did the manipulation, then they went in and cleaned out some more stuff. Um, it sounds a lot worse than it is. Like it, it really sounds terrible, but it's not. I mean, you're under anesthesia. You come out and you're sore, you're a little swollen, but ultimately it's what he needed to regain that motion. And it's it's not like you're restarting the whole rehab process of the ACL. It's not like that at all. None of, there's no really no precautions other than just like get that pain and swelling down and get that strength and, and balance up. But that, go, that goes much, much, much faster, like four to six weeks. And, and that's exactly what, what he missed. He missed like four or six weeks or something in there. And then he looked pretty good in his last, the last part of the season. So I'm fairly bullish on him this year. If we look at the running back data on ACLs, and this goes back to 2017, so I'm not including Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles, who are the, who are the two that just took off in year one. But since 2017, running backs in the first year after ACL – Average 35% less points per game 
than their pre-injury averages. So, and then in um, year two, they average 15 points per game less. So they really pick it up in year two. And in that second year, we've seen 33% of these running backs actually exceed their pre-injury average. And Saquon didn't exceed that, but only by 5% lower. So that's still really, really, really effective. Um, I really, really like Dobbins to bounce back this year. I don't think he's going to be elite. I think the situation is going to is going to definitely dictate things, but I do think he's going to have a nice season and going in the fifth round is pretty reasonable. Right. So like you said, now in year two, that percentage of the drop down, I guess, on his, on his statistics comes down. Um, I don't mind him in the fifth round. Some of the underlying metrics here are kind of encouraging for a guy that missed, what, nine games last year. I mean, listen, the last four games last year for Dobbins, he ran pretty well. He started to look like he was at least a little bit more recovered. Last four games last year, 6.9 yards per carry. This year is in a contract year. He's probably going to be the lead back, almost guaranteed, right? I mean, we do still have Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, uh, Justice Hill, excuse me, Melvin Gordon. Still a highly efficient offense. He's the clear number one. He should get a boost with Todd Munkin at, at OC. Second in breakaway rate last year. These are just some of the statistics here. But I don't know, Tom, you said you would take him there. I think it's the fact, like you said, I don't see him being elite. So there's some hesitancy for me to pull the trigger on him. He's maybe a safer, lower ceiling, higher floor guy. I don't know. But just running backs historically under Lamar Jackson, haven't been amazing. Last year, the best running back on the Ravens, Kenyon Drake, finished 44th at the position. 2021, it was Devontae Freeman, finished 31st at the position. 2020 was Dobbins, 21st. So to me, Lamar Jackson running backs and running backs on the Ravens don't always perform as well as I think they're hyped up to be. He's kind of a classic dead zone running back. And in that area, there's guys I like more. I like uh, Rashad White. Um, Miles Sanders, James Conner, Akers, even possibly Swift, um, you know, over I'll some of these say, guys. Are... I would take Dobbins over every single one of them. Yeah. yeah Maybe no Madison, too. We'll talk about him another time, but okay. Quick shout out to our friends over at the Sleeper app. Do you like free money? For a limited time, Sleeper Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Go to sleeper.com slash promo slash fit or use promo code fit. F-I-T. That's sleeper.com slash promo slash fit. All right, three players left here. A guy last year that I loved. I still love the player. He's just 23 years old. Javante Williams. Going late. Going, you know, rightfully so, probably with all his injuries. RB 25. Overall 68, which is good enough for a sixth rounder. And, Tom, you always talk to me. I text you all the time. Tom, (laughs) tell Tell me why I shouldn't take Javante, and you just keep saying how involved his injuries were. I mean, the, the MCL, ACL, LCL tears. Talk to us about how involved the injury was and how worried we should be for a guy going now in the sixth round. Yeah, well, I'm going to correct you again on the anatomy. It was an ACL and a posterior lateral corner. So a lot goes into the posterior lateral corners, a ton of tissues in there that have to be repaired. And with that, it slows down the early stages of rehab, slows down the range of motion, the, um, the weight bearing, and then it delays 
the timeline for running and stuff like that. But all that's behind him now, and everything at this point looks really, really good. Sounds really good. Well, sounds really good. We haven't watched him play in a game yet, so we can't say that he looks good yet. Um, but the same stats above apply. In year one after an ACL, running backs see a 35% decrease in their points per game. And since 2017, at least, not a single one has met or exceeded their pre-injury points per game. So I, I love everything I'm hearing about his rehab, but history tells us that it's going to be a very uphill battle for him to have a super productive season and really to have a season that's going to outperform what his current ADP is, I believe. Um, I don't think he's going to be at totally 100% at any point this season, but I think the second half of the season, we'll start to see him trending towards that. Um, there's just a lot of everything has to go right for him to return his ADP. And so far, everything has, but the real test hasn't even started yet. He hasn't played an NFL game yet. There's so much that goes into this physically, but also emotionally and mentally that we just don't have the insight into. And there's just other guys that I'm taking in the sixth round in the seventh Maybe I would consider him. I do think he's in a nice scheme where Sean Payton is really creative with throwing to his running backs. So that could go from a situational standpoint that could go in his favor, but I just, I'm willing to miss on him this year. He's a guy. Well said. He's a guy you got to think about if you pass on him, are you going to hate yourself later in the year? Is he a guy that can bury you and, Statistics don't lie, Tom. They're all on our website, fantasyinjuryteam.com. It shows that with these injuries, thanks for correcting me on the injuries, Tom, he's going to see a big drop-off. I love the scheme. I love Sean Payton. I think he's going to come. He's done miraculous things for offenses historically and for fantasy running backs historically. I just wish he was fully healthy. To me, it's a fair ADP, the sixth round. I mean, listen, Samaje Ryan is there. He's a capable NFL runner. You answer my question. I was going to ask you, could he be a sneaky guy for the second half of the year? It's going to be hard to stash him. You did say you think he'll be a little bit better, but probably not up to 100%. I like him, but I think the sixth round, you probably should get someone that is a lock, a starter for your team. If he slips to the seventh or eighth, I'd pull the trigger on Javante. Two players left. Isaiah Pacheco, the 24-year-old. 24-year-old, what is he? He's in his second year, right? So he's second a little bit older year, for, yeah. uh, for a 24-year-old. He was in college for a while. RB29, overall 73. That's a seventh-rounder. Had surgery two weeks after the Super Bowl. Tom, it was a shoulder. Make sure I get this one right. A shoulder shoulder labrum tear. Correct. That's correct. And a uh, hand fracture. Damn, I almost had it. All right. Well, I mean, at least it's upper body stuff and, and my very... Uh, non-medical opinion. I don't think that's as extreme, but I'll let you talk about it, Tom. For, but also for a guy that runs harder than anyone in the league, I feel like the injuries could have been worse. What are your thoughts, Tom? Yeah, really no reason for concern here. The labrum repairs, they do super well. Same with the hand surgeries. Uh, and both of these are upper extremity, so it's not going to impact his running, his cuttings, his lower extremity mechanics in any way. There's really not much cause for concern right now. I don't think that we need to factor in this injury whatsoever when considering drafting or not drafting him. Great to hear. If you're not concerned, I'm not concerned. Again, only in his second year. And obviously, 
an amazing, spectacular offensive ecosystem with the Chiefs. I mean, not even a big guy, but physically tough as hell, violent runner. He's a listen, Pacheco in the seventh round, it's a pretty solid early down back, and he's gonna get some goal line touches. We know that Andy Reid and this offense like to come up with crazy stuff. It's not just gonna be the I formation. Here you go, Pacheco, but he will get some of that on the goal line. Really came on last year as well in the second half. Here's the thing with Pacheco, and this is why I think he is going later. Didn't have many huge games. From weeks 11 on, this is when he really, really started to pick it up, uh, really started to get a good workload. These were his finishes from week 11 on. Half-point PPR. 10.7, 15.1, 15.2, 10.8, 8.2, 9.5, 11.9, and 12.4. It's a good RB two flex that you're getting slate with potential upside for more. What do you think, Tom? I, I think he's an awesome back to target. If you're going with the hero RB approach where you pick a running back in the first or second round and then no running backs until like round seven, I think he's a great one. I've done that multiple times in mock drafts. Um, I've got no issues with him being my RB two. Yeah, solid. I mean, just we have to put the concerns out there, but also anybody that you're going to get in this part of the draft, there is going to be concerns with. That's why they're going at this point. Doesn't catch the ball too much, uh, you know, to really beat his ADP. I mentioned this before. I think he does need to excel in the goal line. I think he does need to find pay dirt a bunch of times. Depth chart behind him. McKinnon's going to be the cast pa- uh, pass catcher. There's actually been whispers. This is a, time, a talk for another time that CEH might not even make the uh, the 53 man roster, which is crazy to think about. But Pacheco's the guy, you know, fifth round, sixth round, I think you're reaching. Seventh round, I'd be pretty comfortable there with Isaiah Pacheco. Last but not least, close to home, a 28-year-old man who just signed with the New York Jets. Crazy enough. We knew it was coming. We didn't know where he was going. But Dalvin Cook signs with the Jets. He's going right now, and this is probably going to be so volatile throughout the next couple weeks. Going right now is RB30, overall 74. That's, again, a seventh rounder. Tom, it's a shoulder dislocation most recently, right? Is that what we're concerned with here? Same surgery Pacheco had for his shoulder. So Dalvin was dealing with recurring dislocations over the past several seasons. And you try to rehab it a lot of times. And if you're not an NFL player, that's probably fine. I I dislocated my shoulder and I rehabbed and it's totally fine. But I don't get hit by people 300 pounds every day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he really needed the surgery. Um, and the surgery, like we said with Pacheco, does really, really well. It's a labrum repair surgery. And I, it's super strong. I'm not concerned about that popping out again unless he gets hit in a way that would have dislocated it anyway, even if he had no history of dislocations. So Dalvin Cook's really, really interesting because obviously we'll talk about Brees Hall on the next episode. But um, – He's coming back from an ACL himself. So, and the Jets are clearly making a run for a Super Bowl. And I, I don't necessarily know that this says that they don't like where Brees Hall's at. I think it's just them knowing that Brees Hall is coming off an ACL and that what we just talked about with the history of running backs coming off of ACL in the first year, it's not great. So, they want to add another really, really, really good piece to their backfield that can do a couple things. One, if Reese Hall does not play well at all, that's fine. They've got to, still got to start running back in Dalvin Cook. Or two, it's going to allow them to ease Brees Hall back into the, the lineup um, rather than putting too much volume on him up front. But to answer your question from an injury standpoint with the surgery that Dalvin just had, he's good to go. 
I mean, he's not he's not cleared yet, obviously, but he's going to be cleared very soon. And I'm not concerned of setbacks. I think that's really well said. If I'm a Jets fan, I'm excited and I really like the signing because it's an insurance policy for Brees Hall. You could work him back in slowly, like you said. We know Brees Hall is coming off a major injury. From a fantasy perspective, I want nothing to do with Cook at all. I mean, there, I think by himself, right, standalone value, I don't think there's really much there. Dead last last year, Tom, in rushing EPA, a big downfall in efficiency, explosiveness. Still has to learn the Jets offense. I don't even think he's practicing yet. Maybe later in the year he'll pick it up. Brees Hall is just so good. I mean, I think for me, for a fantasy perspective, I think the only way I would want Dalvin is if I got Brees Hall. I would take it as my personal insurance policy, but I don't think Dalvin has much standalone value, especially going in the, in the seventh round there. And before we end here, Tom, uh, Adam Schefter actually just tweeted an article, another red flag. I mean, I hope everything's okay, but Jonathan Taylor again stepping away from practice for personal matter or he's excused for personal matter. So just more stuff coming up right there. It could be contractual. I mean, there's just so many things right there. So just stick that back there. But Tom, hope you have a lovely night. Great job. Thanks for your, uh, thanks for letting us pick your brain as always. Always a pleasure, Joe. Sure is. And and for the listeners out there, we thank you dearly for tuning in. Drop us a like. Give us a five-star rating. Share with a friend, family member, uh, You know, maybe not your league members if you want to win your league. But it goes a long way for us. We really appreciate it. We are the Fantasy Injury Team, and we'll see you next time.